Hello and welcome to the Tavern Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tenkar, your bartender in the OSR, and this is another of our Designers and Makers series of Fireside Chats. Uh, today I have Ben Barsh from Pace Setter Games, also known as the uh, best hair in the OSR. Sorry, Ben, I had to throw that out there. Of course, I, I honestly, if, if that wasn't a part of the introduction, I was probably going to walk now. So uh, I'm glad you threw that in because that's my shtick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you folks don't know, uh, Ben is very active on YouTube. We'll, we'll talk about that. There's current Kickstarter in a bit. But, uh, Ben, we're going to dive right in with the questions that we hit with everybody. All right. Let's do it. So, so if you're ready, um, tell us about your first role-playing game experience. This one is... So the, the answer that I picked for this, I don't know if it's specifically role-playing, but sort of uh, like TSR game gaming experience was the board game Fantasy Forest. Um, not a oh, lot of wow, people okay. like, yeah, not a lot of people know about it. Um, but my dad ran it for me and my sister like twice a week. And we would always get super into it. Um, it, it got to the point where we would sort of create characters um, and we would use the cards from our characters for perspective and stuff. Um, but my main first like role playing experience was with solo modules, actually. Um, I had always played games growing up um you know board games video games uh video games are a really big part of i think like my you know uh upbringing with my friends and all that kind of stuff um right but i you know started playing uh fantasy forest and then dungeon and then it progressed there into dungeons and dragons um and you know i was i was playing the solo up modules that my dad wrote um a couple of them from the tsr uh from tsr and then it just transitioned from there. You know, I, uh, my first, uh, well, my first con was Gen Con, but you know, I had no idea what was going on. It was enormous. <laughs> and I was like 13 or something, 14. Um, right. So my, my first real con was NTRPG con. And that was the first time, um, I played in like a group Dungeons and Dragons setting was with Mike Badlato, uh, in his game. Um, and then I don't know, like I just having it in that group group setting was, was, very different, you know, than running like solo modules. So, um, oh god, yeah. Just, you know, NTRPG Con is a very, very special place in my heart. That was my my first real, um, you know, group setting of Dungeons and Dragons. And the coolest part about it is there were some awesome people in that game too. I mean, it was it was his regular In Search of the Unknown game that he runs at the con, which draws a lot of attention. Usually, a lot of people want to get into it, and and he offered me a seat at it. And you know, Errol Otis was in the game, and you know, absolute legend of this community. And yep. I didn't really know who he was at the time, <laughs> but, you know, looking back at it, I was like, holy crap. My first, you know, group D&D game was with Eroldis and Mike Bablato, of course. We love him. Oh, of, of course. <laughs> yeah. North Texas is my home away from home. I've, I, yeah. it, it's the one con I would never give up. And I go to a number now mm -hmm. and they're all, you know, very good to, you know, great but north texas is the first love yeah that's what me and my dad always say is if we had to pick one it would be it would be on trpg con yeah yeah it's just it's a something magical that you, you can't be i think it's the fact that you know they capped their uh, attendance right now around what 450 or so yeah it's, so, it's close yeah it's close to 500 and something like that yeah and literally you can just walk up to uh, personalities from this hobby and say hello and start a conversation in the hallway or by the vending room and uh -huh. or watch them, you know, 
playing games in the in the in the main room. Uh, it, it's just so relaxed. The atmosphere is so relaxed. Yeah, uh, yeah. That that was the part that I loved about it, especially when I started. You know, I one yeah. I, often once you play Dungeons and Dragons once or twice, you you just get hooked immediately. <laughs> At least that's the experience that I've had when I've played with new players. And uh, when I got hooked in. You know, I started learning about all the personalities, you know, uh, Tim Cast, Jim Ward, Frank Menser, all the, you know, all these guys. And, uh, and now which it's crazy. I would even consider most of them friends. Like Chris Clark yep. is one of the coolest guys I've ever met in my entire life. He comes up to me. He's like, Hey, I love watching YouTube videos. You should do more. And I was like, like a part of me died inside. I, knew <laughs> told me that. I was like, you are a God. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, it's funny because uh, my Chris Clark story, I don't remember exchanging phone numbers with Chris, but mm-hmm. like, obviously I had. So uh, my phone rings. I'm, I'm driving into Manhattan one night to pick up Rach from work because she's working late. And my phone rings and it says Chris. So obviously I put his phone number in my phone. My mm-hmm. son's name is Chris. Apparently I didn't differentiate. So I pick oh, it up. Oh, yeah. Thinking it's my kid. And it's like, hey, oh no, Eric, this is Chris Clark. I went, holy shit what the and he just wanted to <laughs> he wanted to talk about one of my podcast episodes he listened to he just had some you know wanted to clear some stuff up i was like i'm getting phone calls from chris, chris clark as i'm driving it, it just blew my mind yeah you made it i think that yes. that's the point <laughs> when you're driving to pick someone up and you get a phone call from a celebrity that's what yes <laughs> it's like damn yeah, I was, I, we sit on the phone until I was like, uh, "Chris, I, I'm right now. I'm getting into Manhattan traffic. I I need all my wits." <laughs> right? Yeah. I wouldn't even know what that's like. I'm not even gonna lie. Small town kid. Oh no! I, it, and listen, I I used to spend my summers up in the Poconos, so yeah. I, I know what a small you know town when you're driving with your friends and somebody mm-hmm. the driver has their ass out the window. Somebody yeah. else is working <laughs> the uh, the uh, brakes and the get and the gas. The, you know the the floor of the car in the back seat. You can like get, get splashed because there's like holes that have rusted through. Yeah, I know what it is like to yeah, be. Yeah, it's in almost a, Flintstone like where you can just put yes. your legs down and. <laughs> so um, so I experienced that, but uh, Manhattan traffic is certainly something to uh, not not want to deal with on a frequent basis, and I've dealt with it way too often. So I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. My my little doggy here is, you you choking girl? What are you, you you're a dog. You can't have a hairball. So, um, all right. I'll, I'll hit you with the next question then. What right. is your go-to gaming system or RPG system? Uh, this one is. I know. I, know I would sucks. say I'm gonna get murdered for this one. Oh, I, I'm I gonna, would say uh, before you say <laughs> it, I'm gonna I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw my answer out here. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm gonna guess it's not Fury. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna hazard um, not Pathfinder. Uh, um, Ivy. Uh, yeah, I would. Okay. I would say right now, um, it would probably be Fifth Edition, just because it's what I run the most currently. Um, like, so so kind of how I thought of this question is like. For some reason, if I was walking down the street, I and, and someone said, "Ben, get in this bar. We need you to run a game of D and D." And it all is is the whole world 
is hinging on this moment. You get no books, you get no monster manual, nothing. I know this is ridiculous. Just bear with me. No, it's okay. If, if I were in this situation, I would probably run 5e. It would be it would be very much between that and first edition, just because AD&D is where I started, and it's what I played the most while I was you know learning the game. Um, right. And then AD&D and Swords and Wizardry are, are super super close. Uh, yes. in, in my opinion. Uh, well, well, you know, like personally of what I run. Um, but on, yeah, honestly, like I said, in that situation, it would be 5e. Um, but they're just so close. Like I, I really genuinely, and I'm not like just saying this for lip service or whatever. I genuinely, I think they both have their pros and cons and I get a different feeling when I'm playing or running old school games as opposed to new school games. So having both or a balance in my life, I kind of need it to keep the game fresh and, you know, not to get oversaturated or to get burnout or anything like that. But yeah, fifth edition is, is the answer. That's, that's fair enough. And, and, you know, you're even younger than Pex. And, and I thought he was like when our, our youngins in the OSR, but, uh, (laughs) you know, I think I, well, I, I have been usurped actually not, I, I don't think I am the youngest, like, osr mind i honestly so, think it would be um you know alan Groey from black blade yes it's his son henry henry oh, is really yes oh my god the dude knows everything every rule and i was um i was playtesting one of my modules at at ntx um, one that i'm going to put out a little later on the road um and we just got talking about first edition and there were like three guys there who grew up playing you know first edition i was like first system or whatever you know, older gentlemen, um, right. and, and Henry, <laughs> Henry schooled them on Unearthed Arcana, absolutely really? schooled them. And, you know, it's, it's probably a little easier for Henry because he, he he's probably played it or read it recently, whereas these guys probably haven't played it in a while. Right. Um, but that kid is going to be something special. I'm calling it now. I'm calling it now. There you go. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I get a little off topic sometimes. That's, oh, <laughs> like, like, I don't. Come on, right. I'm on t- it really it, it's beyond a hex crawl with me it's like a it's a yeah. sandbox yeah good you know good good podcasts and shows are conversations so we're just having a conversation yeah well that, that that's why uh ian mccarthy was like uh, you're not doing interviews you're doing fireside chats i'm like yeah all right I, there it is now now i gotta be like dennis prager with uh my little uh, glass of scotch <laughs> and a cigar and i'll be i'll be oh, you don't have yours out no, no, I don't have. I guess I'm alone here. You know, but hey, what can I what can I tell you? <laughs> All right, let's well, we'll move on to the next then. Um, I'm sure you well, if you've played in uh, Mike Battlelab's game, you've had some experience with Basic Expert. Mm-hmm. How do you uh, feel about Racist Class in your game? So I I use it when I'm playing older editions. I don't really adapt it into uh, new school. Um, but I think it's one of those things that that should be preserved of old school old school rules. Um, just a quick plug here. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry to be that guy, but we just did a paysetter did a Kickstarter of of BX Remastered, um, and that was a big question that we got during you know during the project during the funding portion was is you know are is it going to be dwarf, elf, is it like so on and so forth? Are we going to have racist class? And the answer is one hundred percent yes. Um, I think it it's the unique factor that, that I love about it. Um, 
the the part that I struggle with with fifth edition sometimes is that there is zero restrictions. Um, and you know, while it's good, and, and actually I mentioned this in the last YouTube video I made, I think it's a little easier for new players to come in to have no restrictions like this. Um, you know, no no restrictions on what race can play the class, whether your race is a class, or right. if you max out at a certain point to, because you are just simply a dwarf. Um, I, I I just think it, it, it definitely has its place, it, depending on what edition, though. Um, but yeah, BX, it, I love it. I'm a big fan. Fair enough. All right, so then... Uh, now, this one kind of crosses editions, but it does certainly have a different effect depending on the edition you're playing. And when I say different effect, it's, it's, it's I guess it's more lethal in some than others, or at least more sure. impactful. Save or die. Yay or nay. Not the podcast. Yay. Both. both. <laughs> yay, <laughs> yay for both. Um, no, yay, yay. Uh, 100%. I, I am not a cruel DM, but my players know that, you know, there, there should be lethality within the game. Um, I, 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 I like Saber Die. I mean, I, I do. I kind of like the idea of of the lethality of the world. You know, the Dungeons and Dragons was originally a pretty lethal game for the most part. I mean, if you look at, if if you, and I, I've done this a lot recently because of you know converting modules between, um, you know, first and five e or BX and five e. It's different. It's very, very different. The lethality compared to old school. And this is this isn't just a myth or a rumor like people say, oh, old school was just it was just more lethal and people don't believe them. It's true. It's 100 percent true. Oh, yeah. You know, if you ran into a ghoul early on or found a white for some reason early on, you're screwed. Like you're 100 like there's zero chance that your your party is going to. Well, not zero, but very low chance compared to 5e. That's not really specifically true. Um, And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, per se. It's just, you know, the difference of style or, or how the game runs out. Um, I, I do like the death saving throw system in 5th edition. Um, you get a lot of chances. That's the kind of the only thing I don't like about it. Um, okay. You get a lot of chances, you know, like you have to get three successes or three fails before you get back up. Um, you know, if you get three fails, you die. Um, right. If you, it, it, it's the same kind of thing, like if you're reduced to... Um, the maximum eight. So say you're at one HP and your max HP is eight. If you get hit for nine while you're at one, you insta die. Um, so it can be lethal, I guess. Um, but there's just a lot of like in, in MMORPG video games, we call it, Oh shit buttons. Um, where, where you're like, your character's going to die and you press your Oh shit button. And then you're either at full health or you have a huge shield or something like that. Yeah. 5e yeah. has way more Oh shit buttons than, than first edition does or, you know, old school editions. So I think having that save or die mechanic in it, I think could bring if you could port that into 5e, so it would it was more lethal. I think that would be super beneficial. Um, there's not a lot like it in 5e. You know, there's some disintegration stuff, um, but for the most part, your character is going to be good if you get blasted, uh, which is not true. <laughs> you know, the 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 older school you get. Oh, no, certainly. And of course, uh, you know, you've also heard like, you know, OSR also stands for Oh Shit Run. Because yep. uh, survivability in old school gaming often is knowing when when to run, knowing when to retreat. Uh, it, it isn't as balanced. Uh, I think starting with third edition, balance was a really huge factor 
in designing the game. Yeah. But in the old school systems, balance is not so much an issue. Yeah, no, I I get that a lot. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the abilities that characters have now, um, or, you know, classes have now, are way more widespread. Um, I think they're currently... If I had a critique on 5e, it would sort of be a lack of unique uniqueness within the characters. Um, everyone can kind of do everything if you roll for it. Some DMs uh, don't allow the rolls, you know, like it, back in my day, you know, uh, thieves had a very, very specific role. You know, you were sneaking, you were, you know, checking doors, listening at doors, climbing, all this kind of stuff. Anyone in 5e can do that. Anyone. Uh, really? You know, through perception. Um, okay. To unlock a door, you have to have thieves tools. Um, but you can, in really any city, you could find those if you wanted to, and you just use your dexterity for it. Um, that's the only part that I don't love about 5th edition, um, that everyone can do anything. But like like I said earlier, I think it is beneficial to bringing new players into the game. I mean, there's like, Nearly not, at least I think these were last year's stats. There was nearly nine million people playing D anD D. Wow! So, I mean, I, they're doing something right. You know, it's just like no, a, pers- I... a personal thing. Is like, eh, I wish it was a bit more unique. You know. Well, I guess you know, a rising tide lifts all ships, and if mm-hmm. uh, Fifth For Edition sure. is adding adding players to the RPG uh, community, that's only can only help the rest of us. You know, yeah, totally. uh, that's the meaning to the old school gamers. And- right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, like I, I game with my friends. We're all, um, all 21 years old. Um, and you know, we're, we're relatively new to gaming still in the grand spectrum of, of life. Um, but, uh, like we started out on first edition and they, lo- they love it. Like this, we still, we don't, we're not currently running a campaign for it. Um, but we still talk about it all. We talked about it last night when we were playing 5e, we were like, we need to switch it up and go back to old school. So, so people like the game system. It's just I think they're not as uh, as, as exposed to it as they are fifth edition, you know, or like Pathfinder. Oh, well, and that makes sense because really, it's not in. You're not going to find it in your Barnes Noble, Borders, and, right. and places like that. Yeah, you and know, some like, people just think it like the new new players. They just think, oh, just Dungeons and Dragons. Like they, you know, like the people who watch, you know, Critical Role or other shows, stuff like that. They just see it as Dungeons and Dragons. Of course, they know it's like fifth edition, but they don't know really what that means. Um, right. You know, if you're using like the metagaming of video games while thinking about editions of Dungeons and Dragons, thinking of them like expansion packs, I'll use like a game like World of Warcraft is, is sort of like my 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 baseline here. So World of Warcraft came out in its raw form and then it, there was an expansion pack, Burning Crusade and then Wrath of the Lich King, so on and so forth. It's sort of like the editions of the game. Right. As they came out with these new additions or expansions, that's the game. Like there you can't go back to classic World of Warcraft or Burning Crusade World of Warcraft and play through that. You can still play through the zones and play through the right, missions, but, but the, do the but dungeons, the, do the raids, but it's not the same. Like it it it's everyone is still at max level, everyone's doing the new content. So I think some people kind of think of Dungeons and Dragons like that sometimes, or at least they can they can that's their raw understanding of it when they think fifth edition is like, oh, I don't need first edition because that that's not the current thing that's being played. Um, right. So I think trying to expose it to a, a mass audience is certainly something that, you know, I'm trying to do through my content um, is, is still sort of being uh, 
still wrapping the old school uh, or the OSR into everything I do uh, because a lot of my stuff is new school oriented. Um, I'm still trying to, you know, represent the OSR because it needs to be, you know, like people love, love the old school game systems. They just need to have it available for them. Of course, I left my my mute button on as they are, <laughs> uh, they are slamming uh, the uh, the street like a block away from me. Uh, it's like, geez. But what I was going to say is, I think a lot of it depends on where you came into gaming in general. I came in with tabletop role playing uh, back in the '80s, but I moved on to MMOs like uh, the original EverQuest and EverQuest Two and Anarchy Online, City of Heroes. But I came into them as a tabletop player, so my expectations from an MMO was different. And I think if you come in via MMOs, your expectations of tabletop gaming are going to be different, at least initially. Because you're, Definitely. You bring um, your, your own experience with it. We're all products of our own experiences. Yes. Yeah, and then I, I think that's a big point of why you know, some people say that, you know, the fifth edition, fifth edition goes easier on the players or the monsters aren't as powerful as the players or characters. Um, while I think those things can be true, I think it's still up to the DM. But I think the mentality of of my character isn't going to die is because of MMORPGs or RPG video games in general. You know, you respawn when 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 you die in a video game. Um, right. That's not the that for the most part, that's not the case in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, it's not as available, you know, you know, to you. So, and like I said, games like World of Warcraft, who have gotten a little soft, everyone's got their oh shit button. Fifth edition has kind of mimicked that a little bit as well, um, just to, to keep the characters alive and be more, you know, people say it's more story oriented. I wouldn't specifically agree with that. That that old school didn't have story elements to it. Um, I think story is just more baked into the rules and the and the manuals than it was back back in you know, 80s, say if it's 70s, 80s. Oh, certainly. But now, when you look back at some of the early MMOs, if you look back at Ultima Online, I couldn't even get out of town without getting ganked. But right. uh, even the original EverQuest, when originally in the original EverQuest, when I first came out, if you died, you had to go back and loot your own body. It right. was a harsh, harsh system, probably because the designers grew up on playing old what's now old school gaming which i guess was a harsh harsh system and as they were getting players that maybe didn't come from tabletop role playing i don't want to say they they dumbed the system down or they uh you know what what is it care bears is is another term they care bear the system yeah but they certainly made it more accessible to players that weren't as hardcore and weren't as built into the idea that uh, death should have consequences. Yeah, and I, I think that's yeah, that's a big point that they've done with all games as as they evolve over time. Uh, like EverQuest, like you said, example. World of Warcraft's an example. Dungeons and Dragons an example. I usually label it more like new player friendly. Um, you know, you're trying to appeal to a, a broader audience with, like you said, kind of dumbing the the game down a little bit. Just, just so right. new players feel more comfortable playing it, like they're they're not behind, 
years or anything like that. Just making that transition to play easy. And I guess, and I guess we should be, uh, not, not so, uh, detrimental in our in our phrasing i guess we should say simplifying yeah. the game not, not dumbing it down yeah, simplifying. No, no. Sim- that, that's it I just, there, we, there, no because i would have said dumbing it down too it's still but like, still 10 30 a.m i'm just waking up <laughs> well dude simplifying the only one that's that's <laughs> why that's why i have my mountain dew kickstart this is yes. by the way not an advertisement it's just that it's 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 got sugar and it's got caffeine and and technically uh it's got five percent juice so it's not a soda so uh <laughs> Come on, yeah, Eric. Exactly. No free brand deals. What's going on here? Oh, jeez. <laughs> but uh, right, let's go on. Let's 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 get on to our our fifth and final question, and all then right. we'll then we'll really be out of control. Um, when you came into the hobby, how old do you think you were? Oh, uh, like I said, the first NTRPG con I went to, I think I was fourteen. All right, so we're talking. But I've been what? playing games, yes, for way before that. Okay, so seven plus years. Mm-hmm. You, I, I've watched your growth over those years. Holy shit! Um, I, I have to look up to you. For people wondering, I'm six foot four. Like I am yes. way too tall for human existence. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the you that first came into even even the fourteen year old you at your first North Texas RPG con. Playing in that game with Mike Badalato. Uh do you ever see yourself doing in gaming, creating and running Kickstarters like you are now? Did you did you see this in your future? Um I this is I, I don't know how this is gonna sound, but yes. I know a All lot right. of people say no to this. Um people say, Oh, I, I never knew I was I, I kind of wished I, I willed this, you know, like I I one once I was in, I, I was all in. Um I, I I like not to this level yet, honestly. Like I, I'm not like, you know, putting out, you know, six figure Kickstarters or anything like that, but you know, I'm I'm doing honestly with them. I didn't think it would be this soon that I would be so accepted um and 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 doing kind of of well in the community. Um, I I have always kind of gone for, uh, gone for the top in anything I do, you know, school or sports or whatever. You know, I was, I was one of the top academically in my class in high school. My college GPA is very, very good. Um, In sports, I played in one of the best baseball teams in Michigan. And so when I came into publishing or, you know, uh, YouTube, I, put my put all in you know i i i put the foot you know the the foot down on the pedal and, and go all in on it i don't like i don't think it, it was going to happen this soon um but i remember when i you know first started playing the game i i instantly became the dungeon master um because i knew the most about it and i had all right. the books uh it's usually how it works is whoever has the books is the one dming <laughs> well it, um, and if everybody has the books it's kind of like those jokes with the military where somebody stepped forward to volunteer and everybody else steps back and all of a sudden yep. it's like <laughs> i didn't step forward but i guess i'm volunteered yep 100 percent. um and then from there you know you just kind of how everyone starts writing is you know writing campaigns or modules for your friends um right. them really liking it you running it at conventions them really liking it and then thinking wow i actually might be able to do this um and i've done it a couple times um and i you know i've always wanted to make the entertainment industry um my my career or my job 
Um, I just love the business of escapism, sort of, you know, escaping from a different reality and giving people an opportunity for, to forget what's going on in their daily lives. Cause I think it's, it's really, really important, um, you know, for, for mental health and all that, that kind of stuff. Um, there's, there's statistics and I will, I won't stat bomb everyone on, on that today, but, um, so, so I've always wanted sort of a career like this. So I've gotten extremely lucky, you know, <coughs> sorry. Um, okay. you know, uh, I've, I got extremely lucky. I mean, I was born into uh, a family or a father who was already in this industry. So I sort of, how I see it is I was in a pit and usually people have to fashion themselves a ladder. I was kind of just given the ladder. I just had to climb it, um, which, which can sometimes be a tough climb. Um, but I've had a relatively smooth transition in, into this life. Um, so I would sort of say that everything is kind of going as planned um, or as for what I've been planning for myself, you know, the very high expectations that I give myself to succeed uh, and do well and not and most, most importantly is make people happy. Um, you know, that I, I just get such a drive off of, um, you know, people saying they they enjoy my videos or my live streams or my books. It's just it, it means the most to me and it, it's why I do it. So I know that that's more of a cliche answer. But to answer the question, yeah, I, I kind of saw myself being here. Like I said, I didn't think it would be at 21. I thought around, you know, mid 20s, I would be writing books and all that kind of stuff. But last summer, I just said, you know what, I'm diving in. There's 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 no more reason to wait. <laughs> Let's just do it. Well, yeah, you have set pretty high expectations for yourself and you've uh, achieved some pretty uh, important goals at your age. I mean. Weren't you? Uh, I don't know what they call it with Disney. I, I want to say an intern, but it really intern, wasn't. Yeah, what, yeah. Is it was okay? Kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's so. Uh, yeah, go. It, it's basically a um, intern is what what they would call us. And that's a pretty competitive spot to get. Yeah. So I did uh, just a, a slight background on it. I won't you know bore everyone with the details, but I, I was in the Disney College program for a year. Um, there's two separate internships with Disney. There's the Disney College program and the professional internship. Generally, the professional internship is reserved for those who have graduated school, um, whereas the Disney College program is people who are going through school to get work experience with Disney, the the number one, uh, I say number one, the number one guest experience company in the world, um, as well as you can take college classes with Disney uh, during your time there. So yeah, that's what I've been doing for the last year. Um, I I loved my time there. It was it was very, very beneficial to me as a person, but it set me back a little bit, I feel like, in the RPG industry. I didn't do as much as I thought I would be doing down there just because I was enjoying my experience and putting it all in for Disney. Um, but now I'm back in grinding, as people say. It's the grind, bro. Well, I'm going to give you this little piece of advice then. Um, time away from the industry, I'm going to guarantee you, did not hurt you. Your Disney experience is going to be something that nobody else is going to be able to bring to the table. And you're going to be pulling mm -hmm. parts of that uh, into your, not just your general life, but into your uh, RPG creativity life. And that's something that is going to be priceless. Yeah. I, I, it, it was, uh, it was magical to say the least. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I, I had gotten the, so uh, a very high level of guest experience from doing pace setter you know, from going to conventions, uh, right. you know, online communication with, with guests and, and the community, um, you know, and just members of the industry. So I've, I've always had sort of like a guest experience element in my life. 
Um, but uh, there, it's just everything on steroids. It's just everything is anything that you've done in your life in Disney. It's times ten. You know, there, there's no room for for mistakes. You know. Well, I mean, like I said, that that's a huge experience to take forward with you, and uh, after that, everything else should be easy as pie, right? I Hopefully, mean, yeah. <laughs> We're gonna hope. <laughs> so now you've been going to. Uh, North Texas, this was what, your sixth or seventh year? I think it was only my fifth because I've, I've had to miss for school and sports and that kind of stuff. Uh, okay. Um, you know, for Rachel and I, this is our sixth. We haven't missed since we started going. I guess 2014 was our first. And No, I uh, guess 2013 was my first because my first con was Gen Con 2012. Okay. Yeah, so this is my fifth. Ye- Wait. Yeah, I missed two years, I think. Something like that. Something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think this was my fifth NTRPG con. Because next year I get the cool shirt. We're going for Ooh, five years. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I didn't get my shirt this past year. I really should have. So I think next year we'll, we'll have gone for seven. We have six down. So yeah, we can get our, our cool shirts and, there you and, go. and really rock the con. But uh now you have a current Kickstarter out there right now, and I'm, I'm yeah. looking at the uh, Kickstarter page, and you are like just like like minuscule amount short of funding. Oh, I know, I know, I, I I I you know I this project is I'm so pumped about it. I'm not even gonna lie; like I've been thinking about this this module just day in and day out. I love it so much. Um, I know everyone says that about their stuff, but sort of hopping back to our last little topic there was disney a lot of this was inspired by my time at disney a lot of it um i i wanted to uh write a small book or module for my friends um and and sort of tell a story of our experiences together while we were there um it didn't come out specifically like that but this is the product of some of that inspiration um so yeah i mean i we're literally like two backers away from funding (laughs) it's super close um which which is awesome like i'm so excited that this project is going to come to i I know it will it's going to come to life um the interior of it is going to be amazing i posted one of the maps that we have so far in full color it's done super well by um a guy that actually officially met at, at ntx um goes by wonky um his his actual name though is um is keelan uh okay Halverson, I think is his last name. Yeah, Keelan Halverson. Uh, but goes by Wonky kind of on the internet. Um, Raven Metcalf's doing a lot of the interior art as well, all full color. Um, Josh Stewart cover. I, but, um, and that's somebody else I've been following uh, since they were much younger. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I've, and I've seen her art go from very good to amazing. Uh, so if you got her doing your interiors, well done. Yeah. Yeah, no, she, she, her and I work extremely well together. I think it's because that we're so close age wise that, you know, from, from the beginning that we started going to these cons, we just kind of congregated to each other because <laughs> we're <laughs> you know, two of the youngest people at these things. So it's like, wow, someone my age. Um, so yeah, it's cool that we're actually like working together and stuff. We're, we're trying to start, uh, we kind of already have this like coalition of young designers and makers, you know, not to steal your term, but that just what's popped into my head. No, you're not stealing anything. I'm sure it's been used many a time. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we've we've 
kind of started this this group of of young designers and makers to try to support each other as we you know start to try to climb the climb the ranks a little bit here so uh yeah i mean she her work is amazing um and the best part about it is she does everything wicked fast i mean i'll send her a list of like five or six interior pieces and it'll be done in like two days really like, uh, yes she's insane like i think she just drops everything when she gets commissions and stuff she doesn't care what she's she's doing she just does it Wow. Which is, you know, something that, you know, I aspire to be, you know, um, I, I've my turnaround times on on some videos have been creepy fast uh, for what I've had, you know, some of the stuff I've had to do, um, you know, and we have the luxury of doing that, you know, as as kids, basically, uh, to be able to drop everything and, and work. But yeah, yeah I mean, she, she's nuts. Like <laughs> her color stuff is amazing, too. Uh, we're We're just starting to do. Uh, hopefully everything that Pacer does from now on is full color interiors. Um, so except maybe some of our BX stuff just to keep it close to old school, you know, have black and white images right. and maps and kind of stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, she, she's definitely going to be one of my go-tos, you know, hopefully as long as she'll have us. <laughs> nice. Well, that's part of that North Texas connections. You know, we, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think still said, but uh, North Texas is the convention where, so many deals get made so many uh i don't know connections are formed because it's such a relaxed atmosphere you can do this stuff without feeling like you're under the gun right yeah i agree 100 percent. i mean when i'm at like you know i love the bigger cons like i, I would even consider game hole a big con now gary con's getting oh, there got here. um you know i i feel way more relaxed at ntx than i do at, at gary con when i'm at there's bigger conventions and I love it. Like it's, I almost, I hang out with so many different people at these big conventions. Like, uh, so one of my really good friends, uh, her name is Fenway Jones. She started a, uh, gaming charity for suicide awareness called Jasper's game day. Um, oh, wow. another quick plug. If, if anyone's looking to donate to a gaming charity, it's that one. It's a nonprofit ran by a 16 year old who knows her shit. Um, her, her dad obviously helps her with, with all of the, you know, logistics of it. Right. Um, but it, it's like our, our partner charity and everything. We work with them a ton. I, I, she's one of my best friends back home, um, with gaming and all that kind of stuff. Um, but she is very good friends with Satine Phoenix, actually. Um, okay. who is in turn really good friends with everyone that is a 5e content creator and influencer. So often we find ourselves hanging out around that crowd and it's just such a different vibe. It's a, an amazing vibe. It's just so different than like, you know, chilling at, at, you know, on a, on a couch with, you know, Zach Glazer or like, you know, Matt Finch or something like that at NCX, you know, it's much more relaxed and chill. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the difference in feel of these conventions is, is great. But as we've said multiple times, NCX is our, <laughs> at least personally, it's, it's my, it's my place. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I owe, I owe so much to it, you know, like it, it's where it kind of all started for me. So. No, I think, uh, well, I, I think the thing with NTX too is that it knows how large it wants to be and is certainly right at its, at the spot that it wants and needs to be. Uh, Gary Khan is certainly ready to break down the walls yep. because it is last year. Uh, listen, I, I, I'm, I've worked in New York City for 20 years as a cop, I worked in lower Manhattan my last 12. I know crowds. Uh, I was claustrophobic at times, mm -hmm. and 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 I think they're going to grow again this year. So, uh, 
either they're going to have to cap it or they're going to have to move it because the venue yeah. is not going to hold anything all that much larger. Yeah, I think they're going to cap it. I think. I think Luke wants it to stay there. I don't, I don't know for sure. I haven't actually talked to him about it. This is just what I've heard from other people who are close to Luke. Right. Um, Luke Gygax, if, if anyone doesn't know, um, who, who runs Gary Khan. Um, yeah, I mean, when you have the new school crowd has definitely blown it up. Uh, for sure. I mean, w- when you have people like, you know, Matt Mercer and Joe Manganiello, Rudy Ruttenberg, Satine Phoenix, just walking around, you know, it, yep. it, it brings people, you know, I, I remember I, I, I had a, a couple really good. Did I say Matt Mercer? Or did I say Matt Finch? I think no, I said, said Matt Mer- no, I okay. said, yeah, no, no. <laughs> I was like, wait, which one did I say? They're both really you, cool. <laughs> you know, you, you sat down with uh, Matt <laughs> Finch. Yes. North Texas. That's And again, that's, I'm, Gary Khan's the only place where I've seen people walking around a vending room with their own entourage. Yeah. Where, you know, you'll see, I don't know, uh, Ernie, Ernie Gygax going mm-hmm. through the vending hall, and there's a crowd of a dozen or more just trying to get their five seconds of hello. Right. Yep. And I, it, it really is. I guess uh, I don't want to call it a celebrity con, but it's certainly a con where you see these celebrity-like sightings and and, and incidents. I get it, where people have this whole entourage following them. Uh, you don't see that at Game Hall, which even though it's a larger con, you don't seem to get that same kind of effect. And at North Texas, yeah, there is no great. entourage. There's just you know people, yeah. people <laughs> you know yeah. like. Yeah, you know, the, the incident I'll I'll refer to wasn't from this North Texas. It was North Texas. It was last year's North Texas when I was talking with uh, Frank Metzner and uh, Mo Rasmussen, and up from behind Frank comes James Spahn with a bad grin on his face, and then he shows me man boobs right behind <laughs> Frank. Merle sees it out of the corner of his eye. He just that polite little smile. And Frank had no clue, and I'm trying to keep a straight face. That's the kind of <laughs> incidents that you might experience at North Texas that you're not going to get elsewhere. Some people are going to really want to come to the con for that, and some people are going to say, I'm never going to NPS. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I want to see James Bond flat, but it was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Uh, uh, and of course, and I was the main victim of it, burned into my eyes. But uh, yeah, you. That that's that's the difference. Each each con actually has its own personality. Uh, game hall is run so efficiently. Uh, oh my god! It's so unreal. well, it is unreal. Like, yeah, it's it, very it good. Like a, it, it is like a fine Swiss watch, uh, and that movement is perfect. Yeah, uh, Gary Con, it, it it keeps growing a little bit faster than they can keep up with. So it's a little bit of a. I, I I don't want to say disorganized, but it certainly isn't as finely tuned uh, as Game Hall. It's more of a game convention than a show. Like people come there to roll dice, you know. That, that kind of yeah. Thing. Um, and then and then you know, North, North Texas, which uh, you know, you, you, even the con organizers you greet as old friends. So yeah. uh, I couldn't tell you if they're organized or not because it never has come up as an issue. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, seems pretty well done. I mean, yes, I think. <laughs> no, it, it, I, I listen. One time they couldn't find Rachel's badge. That's only because 
uh, when I had to explain to uh, when I had to explain to Doug Ray that uh, my real last name wasn't Tenkar, he he's like, well, "What do you mean it isn't Tenkar? My real last name isn't Tenkar; it's Stina." He's like, "Why would you do that?" <laughs> well, like, I, okay. I mean, it's you know, it's your brand. You know, so yeah. like, like I could see why people. I, I mean, I didn't even know it till like a year ago or something like that. Um, oh yeah, well, and when I was working as a cop, keeping the two separate was certainly made my life a lot easier. Yeah, for uh, sure, a lot less, lot less potential issues. But uh, I became known as Tenkar, and so now with at conventions that allowed me to sign up with like any name, I'm just Tenkar. It just is so much simpler. Yeah, uh, it's a brand, you know. Yeah. Like I, I don't even. I mean, I go by Ben Barsh as far as the publishing and, and that kind of thing. But for the most part, I go by Pace Setter Ben, which has a whole other origin story. <laughs> well, uh, you, do tell. We, we don't pay by the minute. So please do tell. <laughs> well, so so that this kind of came through video games as well. Um, so I've always competed in esports. So competitive okay. video games, basically. And a dream of mine, and this might be more of a pipe dream now because it's it's more uh corporatized corp corporatized i don't even know if that's a word it is it is now uh, it is now um it's a lot more corporate than it used to be um but i had this dream of creating a, a gaming organization uh and i was going to call it pace that gaming and generally with with the, these kind of organizations or yeah yeah these gaming organizations uh for an example like one is called optic uh one is called phase so you would take like say where you we were using you Tankar, uh, and you, I signed you on to Paysetter Gaming. You would be like Paysetter Tankar, or okay. if you are another organization, you'd be like Optic Tankar or Phase Tankar. You know, you use your screen name and put it after the brand. That's just how they do it. Uh, uh, okay. So, it, having this pipe dream of having Paysetter Gaming, I was like, yeah, I'll just make my tag Paysetter Ben because I don't know. I think I'm. I <laughs> I think I have this mm. brand. And, and, you know, it, it was just, you know, mixing in the Paysetter branding to pretty much everything I do um, was another reason behind it. Um, but I don't know if I've actually told that story anywhere before. I don't think be, oh, people good. have ever asked why I do it. So there you go. <laughs> well, you know, we, we like to know. It's just, I like to think the fireside chats get a little bit deeper. Maybe, you know, the, the conversations aren't Definitely. just... And, 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 and we got to hit these talking points. There are no talking points beyond those initial five questions. After that, you know, if it was later in the day, I'd have a beer or two out in front of me as opposed to a, a Mountain Dew kickstart. Right. <laughs> it's what it is. Yeah, but I've, I've actually multiple times decided, I don't know, like I kind of want to, inside of the books I write, I kind of want to have my name be Paysetter Ben. But then I think of like a larger scale, like I think in, in like our community, people get it and people, people know who I am. Um, but on a broader spectrum, like, you know, I'm not saying this will ever happen, but uh, another thing that I haven't really talked about a lot is I might be doing a series of pick, pick a path adventure books um, later in the year. Yeah. So I'm super excited about, you know, those were a big reason of my upgrade bringing in, in, in Dungeons and Dragons as well. Um, but, you know, if, if I were to like, you know, write these books and then try to sell them to bookstores. I don't know if, if the author named Paysetter Ben would sell very well. So <laughs> I've just kept it as Ben Barsh um, for, for that sort of consistency sake. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, 
been my branding for a while. Um, the only thing I don't like about it is that, like I said, I brand between Paysetter Men and Ben Barsh. I right. wish it was all one, um, but I don't know. I I don't know. I I, I like the both of them, and I think they match well. So yeah, and you know, you know, at some point it may just sort itself out. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm way too new to be worrying about that. <laughs> you know, I I'm more so worrying about you know putting out quality content than I am you know my name. <laughs> As well, you should be. Yeah, well, you should be. So that so that that's an interesting thing to look forward to later on this year. Yes, uh, hopefully it happens later on this year. I think for the t- the timetable, it's either going to happen late this year or, or early 2020, uh, just whenever I'm fully ready for it. I want to do it right, 100% right. Um, you know, I, I think when if if and when I put them out, it's going to be four pick a paths. Um, I'll probably put them on Kickstarter uh, just because that's kind of like the marketplace right now. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I want to have them all. If not fully done, like 80, 90% done before they even hit Kickstarter, um, just so I can pretty much get them edited, read through a couple times, um, seen by as many eyes as possible, and then shipped out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Kickstarter has been really good to me. I, the, my first project I did, Rise of the Nefarious, did super well. Um, the BX one did really well, like 350 backers or something right now. And this current project I'm doing, The Reaping at River's End, uh, for 5D and Swords and Wizardry, it's currently doing well. Um, you know, it's going to fund everything like that, and it, it's going to be the prettiest book, definitely, that, that I've ever put out. And I think the story is 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 pretty solid. So, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, it, it's all good things going on right now. So, the, you know. Well, I'm looking at the cover art, and the cover art is striking. That is really sweet. Yeah, I spared no expense this time around. I I. Uh, I, I messaged Zach and I was like, Hey, you know, I, I don't know if I haven't really found anyone that's really fitting the style of what I'm envisioning. Do you have anyone that's looking for work? And uh, he got me in contact with this guy named Josh Stewart and killed it. I mean, literally I, you know, I sent him the description of sort of what I envisioned and then he made it better. <laughs> um, I just, I love it. It's been my phone screensaver for like a month <laughs> ever since I got it. As um, well, it should be. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. I, I really, really like it a lot. Um, you know, he, he totally, totally crushed it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have enough enough praise for him. He, he did it really well. The interior art's going to be cool, too, and the maps as well. Um, I, like I said, for this one, I really wanted to step it up and, and, and make the book, uh, in, in my opinion, look, look as, as well as it's written. Well, that's good. But I, of course, I'm biased. Well, uh, as well, you should be, but uh, <laughs> who's doing your maps? So it is uh, that that guy Wonky, um, who who's done. Oh, the, okay. At, at least the first map that I've put out. Um, he's he's he uh, the one that is is an update currently, or on the Paysetter Facebook page, you can go see it there. Um, he uh, he did the region map of the town of Rivers End, um, and then he's going to be doing the uh, the dungeon maps as well. Is sort of the broad term for him. Um, so the, there's a couple part different different parts of the adventure. Um, there's there's a small section within um, the wizard's tower, um, without giving too much away. Um, there's a small small wilderness encounter that I'll probably get a small map made up for because I haven't okay. decided if I wanted a map for that one yet. I haven't commissioned it quite yet. Um, but the other ones, you know, the dungeon maps are you know gonna look great. They're gonna look so cool. Um, most of the adventure sort of takes place chasing down this wizard 
uh, who's fled this town. Um, and the town really, really needs him because he's the one uh, who, um, so sort of, it, it's sort of a quote unquote leper town. Um, everyone suffers from this same disease and they, they've sort of um, removed themselves from the society because of it. Um, and with the help of this, this river and magical healing properties that wizards, uh, this wizard has been able to figure out, um, they've, they've grown this crop that sort of suppresses this disease. Um, it's called oh. the, dra- the dragonberry fruit. So, um, the wizard has sort of gone rogue and fled the town, leaving a note behind, um, of revenge. So it's the player's job to sort of track down this wizard and either convince him to come back and help the people, um, mm-hmm. or to find out the secret behind growing the dragonberry. So the players are able to help the town, um, you know, keep surviving. Because if they don't, it's it's a very calamitous adventure, and I wanted to write it so because I like writing difficult adventures. Um, if if they aren't able to succeed and find out how to uh, successfully um, complete the harvest of dragonberry, most likely the townsfolk are going to die. So it's like I said, it's super calamitous, you know. <laughs> no, um, but but it, it's a higher level adventure. Um, so so the players should be able to handle it. They should have enough at their uh, disposal to to be able to figure it out. Um, I always write very DM friendly. Um, I always write notes in there for the DM, um, some tips for the DM of what they should, you know, not, not what they should be doing, but if your adventure is going this way, here, here are some reasons, uh, or here's some tips on what you can do depending on the situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the adventure is, is, uh, sort of in the wizard's hideaway uh dealing with the traps and monsters he'd la- he's laid behind for you to sort of separate himself from from being uh brought back or captured or anything like that so yeah i mean there's there's a good mix of it of of adventure between role play exploration and combat is, is kind of how i like to balance my adventures not bad i like that and that's the way it should be and by giving those DMs notes, you're also saying we're not going to keep you on, on a railroad. Your players will probably step off the path at some point. Yeah, totally. Here's, here's some ideas if they do, and that that's good. I, I think uh, too few adventures, especially, uh, and don't 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 beat me because I, I own a few of the earlier Five E adventures. Yeah, and uh, they were pretty much. I don't, I'm not going to say a railroad. They were on but, a railroad. I'll say yeah, it. Yeah, all right. All right. <laughs> I, I'm very vocal about... I'm not going to name names, of course. I think if the 5e players will know what we're talking about, but, you know, sort of like the first couple campaign books they put out, they were on tracks, you know. I've, I've played in them, and yeah. I, I mean, I, I try to steer away from stuff like that. It's it's a little harder, though, for for when you're writing a module to make it a sandbox, sort of how this is, because it's sort of like a one-off or a one-shot side quest adventure. Um, right. but campaigns, I try to set them up more sandbox, like, like, here's what's in front of you. Here's what they can do. If they're doing yeah. this, go here or, or turn to this page, you know, stuff like yeah, that. Well, I, you know, I don't expect a full sandbox from, uh, a commercial adventure because you really can't prepare for every, yeah, you can't <laughs> yeah, prepare for hard. everything, but just acknowledging the fact that the players might not go down the predestined path. It's good. I mean, I uh, mm-hmm. early in my uh, my return to gaming, which was probably I guess I don't know when I right right about when I started blogging in this case, so probably about ten years ago. I, I used to do a lot of reviews on uh, RPG Now, 
-hmm. And one was for uh, a third edition adventure that literally had magical balls of lightning around a perimeter to keep the players from stepping off the predestined path. And if they tried to leave the area, these balls would kill them. Huh. And uh, so I and I mentioned that in my review, and my my review was not very nice. And I got a scathing retort from the author telling me, "Well, you write a better adventure." I was like, "That's not the point. People are paying for this one." Right. I mean, it's you one know? thing to to vocally say, and I think it's okay to say like if if you have the, like the description of of the adventure or something like that, saying like I I I have like sort of like a disclaimer in the Kickstarter. I'm like, this is hard. I'm mean, like I I I say sort of some of the long lines of of this is a difficult adventure and it's not well suited for it's not specifically well suited for new new players it, it's calamitous right. you know it's tough it, it it's it's more so on, it's on a timetable as well like there there is a sense of urgency within this adventure I think if you leave that up as a disclaimer I th- I I think that way people can pick and choose and say hey maybe this isn't for my group um, but if you specifically write something in. To have them not be able to leave after not mentioning that at all, that's messed up. Um, yeah, I, I don't like that specifically, because um, because like like the big part of of this adventure specifically is play testing for me. I'm having it play tested and I'm play testing it a couple different times um, because there's so many working parts to it. I want to make sure it's done right. Um, those DM tips that I often write into our stuff is comes from play testing. Uh, it comes from personal experience, you know, it's saying, oh, this group did it differently than a different group. Maybe I'm going to write this in for the DM just as a warning of of some stuff that could happen. Right. But yeah, I mean, I, I try to do that because I, I DM as well. And I, I know it's tough sometimes if I'm running written content and there's it's not very DM friendly. It's kind of tough to, you know, spend all that time prepping the adventure when, you know, it just takes a little bit more effort by the designer to go out of your way and kind of help it help the DM out a little bit. Well, I, I for one appreciate it because, you know, I have to admit that with a lot of times with like longer adventures, you might, I might only read like the first half before starting to run it with my players. Cause I don't know if they're actually going to stick with it. Right. But my, 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 my groups have been infamous for starting an adventure and then going, eh, you know what? This seems like it's, we're not going to get the right reward. We'll move on, like son of a. Yep. Yeah, you know, not railroad. I, I, I literally just, and if any of my players are listening right now, mute. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we just started up the uh, the Secret Assault March for Five E. Uh, they just started a new campaign, and I did the same thing. Uh, I, I didn't read the uh, the 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 Sea Ghost part of it yet, where the, where they have to go infiltrate the ship. Um, I, I know what it is because I've read the original module before, but I haven't prepared it for 5e yet because I was like, I, right. I don't know if they're even going to make it through the house, uh, <laughs> much less, uh, you know, want to keep adventuring in this this area afterwards. So, yeah, I do the same thing. You know, you're not alone in <laughs> in reading half and then running it. Yeah, it's like I, I read what I know I'll need for that first session, session and a half. And then I try to keep ahead of my players. But, you know, it, unless it's a short adventure. But when, once they start hitting like, you know, I don't know, 40, 40 plus pages, it's like, I'll read what I need and then I'll, I'll read the rest before I run the next session. 
Right. Yeah, I usually read the beginning, the end, and then what I yes. need for the session. So I, I kind of know the trajectory of, or the feel of how this adventure is supposed to go. Yeah, because as, as a GM, I don't, you know, I can re- I can skip to the end because I don't need to be surprised. Right. I'm not reading a book of fiction. I usually um, re- read the end first anyway. I just, I'm so impatient sometimes. Like, <laughs> uh, I'm just like, ah, how does this end? I need to know. Nice. Well, I think I think we may be close to our end for today. Yeah, yeah, we've we've had a very long conversation. <laughs> uh, dude, for by our standards, it's probably only about average. Really? Seriously. Wow. Yeah. No, we we're both we're both talkers, and it, what's funny, folks, just so you all understand, Ben and I, I think uh, since Game Hole have been talking, we got to sit down and talk, and we've never actually had time at any conventions to sit down and talk. Yeah. You know. I mean, so. being like, I know, like, especially since now that I'm doing the, oh yeah, I don't think I've mentioned this at all. I need to plug this because there's a lot of frog god lovers here. Um, oh, I, I go ahead. The, I know uh, what you're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah. I, I run the the YouTube channel for frog god games. So if anyone hasn't heard through Facebook or any other uh, forms of social media is we're uploading videos every, every, uh, Every Monday, Monday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern to the Frog God Games YouTube channel. So if, there, if you want more Frog God content, it's there. It's free. You know, YouTube's a free platform. We all know that. Um, uh, but like you said, like at, the, at these cons, you're you're very busy with Frog God and, and doing recordings and all that kind of stuff. Now that mm-hmm. I'm recording, running pace setter, you know, all that kind of stuff. I am literally my schedule is booked from 7 a.m. to 12 a.m. at night. <laughs> And it's nuts. Like I actually, you know, don't have as much time to talk to people as I did before, but I I'm doing stuff I love. So it's kind of a trade-off. Oh, certainly. uh, It's funny because I, I haven't played in a con game that was on schedule. Like, you know, not saying pickups. I've done a couple of pickups, but I haven't played in a con game uh, except as a GM in a couple of years now. Because mm-hmm. I am involved with Frog God Games, and I'm running games for Frog God, and uh, times when I'm not, I, I take, I am I am socializing. That's part of uh, going to conventions uh, for me these days is to, you know, continue making those connections or solidifying those connections, and uh, you know, all things tavern or what we talk about. Yeah, and I, I've sort of, uh, at least for Game Hole and Gary Con, I've pretty much cut out a lot of gaming like i really don't in the future here i'm not gonna be gaming as much because i'm i'm doing i'm recording you know yeah. a majority of the time you know scheduling people to come on the channel doing the vlog the vlog is very if for those who don't know sort of what a vlog is it's me walking around with the camera recording what's going on at the convention what's going on in the, in the daily uh motion of frog God at these conventions um that takes up a lot of time, you know, because you have to be in the right spot at the right times <laughs> yeah, to, to get the content. Um, so like the Gary con, a, a specific plug to the Gary con vlog we did of this last year um, of 2019, like we had Joe Manganiello in one of Bill's games and that was freaking cool. Um, that would, that was probably one of my, the coolest things I've ever recorded. Um, you know, as Hollywood celebrity playing in a game with Bill Webb. So um yeah, I mean, it's busy. I mean, you, like I said, you just have to be in the right place at the right time or the vlog's not going to be as good. Yeah, pretty much. Well, you are a very, uh, you're a very busy 21-year-old there, uh, Ben, best hair in the OSR. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's, it's a good feeling. Like, but, but sometimes like my friends will be like, Hey, we're doing this. And I'm going to be like, you're doing that. I have to work. <laughs> like I don't have a schedule. <laughs> you see, <laughs> I make YouTube videos and I write books. Like I have to work on based on what's going on at the time. You know, I don't have like a nine to five, you know, I'm always on. Yeah, no, I, I believe me. And, uh, you know, daily podcast, uh, daily blog, blog, sometimes multiple posts per day. There was one point where I was putting up three, four, five posts a day. I don't know how I was yeah, doing you're that. Yeah, you're nuts. I, I was working <laughs> at the time, too. Yeah, you're nuts. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I would post, you know, I would come into work early and post as I eat my breakfast. And then on my lunch meal, I'd eat my meal real fast. And then the remaining time, put up a post. And then it's like, put a post when I got home. I, I Insane. Now that I'm retired, I have less time to do a lot of that stuff because I got my fingers in way too many pies. But uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's how I a lot of people are saying right now. It's like, like I'm writing books, I'm making YouTube videos, I'm doing social media stuff, and I'm about to go back to school in September. And I love it. Like, I, I don't think I've maxed out yet with, with as far as like time production. I think I still have time to do things, which is the scary part. <laughs> um, but th this is something uh, that I've, I've always wanted to do and much, much thanks to you and your sort of inspiration of your channels, um, of content is run a podcast. I love podcasts. If you guys can't tell, I talk a lot. <laughs> so me and my friends are actually working on making a, a podcast right now. One of my buddies has a band and in turn has a lot of very quality microphones. So we're going to try to piece all these, 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 to get all this stuff together to try to run a podcast. I don't know if it'll specifically be gaming oriented, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like they were like, aren't you busy enough? And I was like, no, I think I still have time for something else, <laughs> believe it or not. And as long as you're doing what you enjoy, it, it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like you're occupying yeah. time. Yeah. And I, I still have time to enjoy my life for sure. I mean, I'm not, I, I, I'm not, you know, working 18 hours a day, all day, every day. Um, right. I definitely have my days where I'm like that, but you know. Last weekend, I was able to go out Friday and Saturday with my friends. So, yeah, I, I mean, as long as I, I'm, I'm currently kind of my own boss. So as long as I'm mushing myself and not getting behind, I'm fine. Like, you know, I, I still have time to enjoy myself. <laughs> well, that, that, that is important. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, podcasting, I've really enjoyed it. I really still enjoy it. And uh, I like it so much more since I have a decent mic. I had no yeah. idea how much of a difference a decent mic would actually have. You sound great. You do. Thank you. There's there's I this one microphone that I want to buy. Um, I need to look it up because it's like five hundred dollars per microphone or something like that. They're nuts. They're so good. They're so high quality. I mean, it's just really? it's what like you know these like million million view subscribers. Yeah, the Sure Dynamic microphone, like four hundred dollars. Pex, if you're listening, send me send me uh, six of them, please. Now, just mentioning the shore, I I actually have uh, a second mic. I just actually picked up last weekend on Amazon, and it's a shore mic. It was like seventy five bucks. It it it's it's round with a little stand, but you can plug it into not just your computer, but into your lightning devices, your iPad or your iPhone. And wow, that well that means now that I can have a, a decent quality. Mike, when I start doing uh, stuff on convention on, on the road, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, that's so, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's just, a good call just, there. 
Just throwing it out there. I, I saw it. I was like, oh, I can use this with my iPhone? You know, next time I do a, a hangout with Joe the lawyer and my wife in a, in a New York City bar, um, <laughs> we can actually have a real mic on the table. It'd be fun. Yeah, that, that's awesome. That That's something I've been trying to keep in mind when, you know, I'm putting together a, a list of, of bumping up the frog god quality um, stuff that we need to invest in to make the quality better is I'm trying to make sure everything is mobile. Like I, I can pack it up and take it to conventions. Uh, and a lot of the conventions I go to are in mid- the Midwest so I can drive. Thank God. Right. Uh, Cause I have so much shit that I have to bring. Excuse my language. Um, you you uh, do know what uh, fucking podcast you're on. <laughs> yes. True. True. <laughs> this isn't YouTube. I, I can, I can swear up a storm and not get, yes. you know, striked or demonetized. Um, uh, so, so yeah, uh, like the lighting kit that I, the, I have a, I have a small lighting kit in, in, in my setup right now, but like the, professional one i want to buy i have to keep in mind is this packable like can i fit this in a large suitcase so i can bring it you know to game hole or, or to gary mm-hmm. and stuff like that so there's a lot of s- stuff out there now that is compact and you can travel with that that gives you really high quality and generally the price points are lower yeah you know so if you're a v- if you're you know a listener right now if you've made it this far in the podcast, listening to us ramble, um, uh, you know, there's, there's a ton of stuff out there that's smaller, compact. You can, you can bring it around with you, bring it to your friend's house. That that's cheap. You know, just, it also takes is a quick YouTube search. Uh, you know, cheap microphones are easy to travel microphones. There's videos for everything on YouTube. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) you can get your own stuff rolling. Yeah. And, uh, you know, whether it's a YouTube, uh, channel or to podcast, or to blog, but if you want to get your voice out there, there's never been a better time, really. Yeah, true. All right, Ben. Well, thank you, man. This is this is good. And and since Pex is listening in, yeah, Pex will know that we're gonna to have to do this again. Maybe be right before you go back to college, because we gotta catch Ben when he when he still has time <laughs> in his schedule. Yeah, yeah. The I I I specifically <laughs> this is probably I probably shouldn't have done this. Uh, but I specifically tailored my school schedule around my works, my, like my RPG schedule. Um, because like, I, I just can't give up like the RPG stuff. It's so fun for me. Um, you know, the RPG industry is amazing. Um, so, so yeah, I literally scheduled my classes around my life. (laughs) So that way I could, I could still be doing what I'm doing. Not not for nothing. After my first year at college, when I finally joined the D and D club, yeah, I did the same. I did the same thing. Yeah, and it was just like oh, and I also learned no eight AM classes because I was not making uh, my eight AM classes on time. So I was like, no, I, I have one starting in January, and I was like, oh god, why did I do this? But yeah. they're like weekday, they're, you know, the, it's like Tuesday, Thursday, or something. So it yeah, it didn't matter, man. Mine was Monday, Wednesday. My infamous uh, college story is, you know, that that last summer you have, you know, between high school and college, well. I totally forgot that college started like a week before uh, my high school used to start. And I wake up on a Monday morning and it's like 8.30 and I'm like, hmm, I I really should check to see. Maybe I should go to college and pick up some of these books early. And I look at my schedule and I'm like, oh, fuck, I got a class in an hour and 15 minutes. (laughs) No. I have like, nightmares like that. I have nightmares that I'm going to sleep through exams. I actually almost did. I almost slept through an exam once by accident. I think it was like right when I came home from Gary Con and it was on a Monday. We got home late Sunday. And I was right. like, 
like I, I had studied enough, like in the car and during the convention and stuff. And I woke up, my class started at nine 20 and I woke up at eight 45, I think and uh, I'm a 40, 40 minute drive away from school. Oh, geez. I got there like five minutes into the exam and I just looked at my professor and he knew I was traveling because he actually had right. played D&D back. back oh, in okay. May. So I, I tell him about these these conventions and stuff. And I think he's right. bought some paysetter stuff like he's a really cool guy. Um, but <laughs> he just looked at me and he's like long weekend. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I still took it and everything. But yeah, that was a, that was an oh shit moment. So now I have like nightmares that I'm going to sleep through exams. So I try not to get my, my classes too early. <laughs> Well, here's my uh, college oh shit exam moment. So I had a, a history course I, I picked because I knew the instructor. And I was, as entertaining as he was, he didn't give a shit about you showing up to class. Uh, come in for the uh, midterm, come in for the final. It's all you had to do. Mm-hmm. All right. So day of the final, I'm hanging out with a few of my other friends in the same class. None of us ever showed up to it, you know, except to get like, you know, the coursework. Right. And uh, I was like, all right, and we're all kind of we're all studying for it. We're all talking about it. And it's like, yeah, you know what? Uh, look, I'm gonna walk over to uh, the room, see if it's empty. So if it is, we'll just uh, move this there so we can all be there on time because the exam was starting in about two hours. So I walk over to the room. The exam had started half an hour ago. <laughs> so I'm like, oh shit, right? So the instructor sees me, and he knew, and he knew me, and he's just like, yeah, Eric, get in. I go. Yeah, but uh, the others are still in the student union. He goes, I don't care about them. Get in. They'll figure out when you don't come back. Sure enough, 20 minutes later, they showed up. Oh, my God. God so, I yeah, was, it was my stomach. Thank God. Was, yeah, going to the ground. <laughs> eh, still got to be. Class I only showed go. up to. You know, first class, midterm, final. Solid B. Hey, I know what we say. C's get degrees. <laughs> uh, I was... Uh, the whole my whole college career was uh, minimum input, maximum output. Where can yep. I find that perfect balance? Yep. Of you know, I, I want to you know be be able to graduate, obviously, but uh, how many classes? Can, which classes can I cut? How many classes can I cut in each class without affecting my grade? All, all, all this wonderful. I spent more effort on that than I actually did on the actual coursework. Was trying to yeah. figure out how much I could avoid. So, history major chose. <laughs> yeah, marketing over here. You can't tell oh. doing too many things at once. That's usually how marketing people run. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, marketing is almost a jack of all trades in a lot of cases. Yeah, yep. I know Pex has something to say on that. Yep, there it is. <laughs> Pex is also marketing. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Yeah, I saw him typing, and I was like, yep, there he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a reason I like Ben. Yes, yes, there is, Pex. Besides, there it, it wasn't just, and it wasn't just the hair. Uh, ben, I'm gonna yeah. keep on, yeah, because you, I, I have, thank God, I got my hair cut before North Texas. I think Rach would have disowned me if I'd gone with the my hair how it had been, but uh, no. Hey, it's I, my brand. Like you know, it you, is like, your, you gotta, it is you your brand. See, you gotta lean into it. At first, I was like, oh, this is a little embarrassing. Like everyone's memeing on me, and then I was like, you know what? Screw it. This is. This is it. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and embrace it, man. Embrace it. That is awesome. Ah, uh, you see, folks, we, even we don't know when to stop. No, not but at we, all. But we got to stop. Um, 
so your Kickstarter is, is running in for how much longer? So it's actually, uh, it is only uh, 18 more days at the time of recording this. Um, it, if you are searching for it, it is the Reaping at River's End for 5e Swords and Wizardry RPG. Yes, there is a Swords and Wizardry option. Uh, there's an option to get both as well um, if you game both systems. Um, but it's only a 20-day campaign total. Um, I, I'm running, I think for the most part of these smaller adventures that we do are going to be 20 days. Um, just I because the... It. The production time on them is a lot quicker than like these these longer uh, or these bigger books, right? Um, so at the time of recording, eighteen more days. Um, and yeah, there's there's a couple cool stretch goals. Uh, one of them is to expand the the book a little bit, which is you know all that stuff is is pretty much fully written. I mean, I, I'm it's it's one of the larger stretch goals. Um, but you know, with the right the right push, I think we can definitely get it get to it at least nice um, so yeah uh even if you guys don't don't specifically think the project is for you um a share on facebook goes a long way uh share on your social medias or to your gaming buddies or whatever um just thank you everyone to who's supported me thus far uh it's very overwhelming the support that i've gotten thank you eric obviously you, oh, you've always no, been in please. my corner so so thank you for that um but yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, you know, this is going well. The Frog God YouTube channel is awesome. It's a lot of fun. I have a personal YouTube channel as well. Um, yeah, a lot of cool things going on. <laughs> Very nice. Well, folks, as always, it's great having Ben here. We'll bring him back. I promise. <laughs> uh, you know, Pex says like uh, Pex will be the uh, the the issue. It's like you know, I have to work around uh, Pex's taking of Ben's time for Frog God, but. Yeah, Pexkin. Ah, he's cracking the whip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where, yeah. Where there's a whip, there's a way, right? Yeah, Pex doesn't know this quite yet. Is I'm going to start hitting back. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's got more reach there, uh, Pex. You might have to watch out there. <laughs> oh, God. All right, man. Ben, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, folks, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Thank you for all the support. Uh, voicemails recently have been numerous and awesome. So thank you. Uh, as always, God bless, be safe, and I will talk with you all tomorrow.